you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Buck back with you. And uh, Buck, man, we were planning today uh, to just go all in on these championship games, which we're going to do. Uh, we'll get a chance to preview those in a little bit. But, man, we got some news uh, yesterday evening that uh, the Chargers have a new coach, and it. it's Jim Harbaugh. And I think that is where we absolutely must start. Absolutely must start there. And I'm going to say this, DJ, there are two coaches that I love um, to, to, to listen to, to emulate, to steal from. Jim Harbaugh is one, Nick Saban is the other because of just the way they go about building programs. You just, you love what that is. But in watching Jim Harbaugh not only take Michigan from and also ran to a, a national contender, watch them do the same thing with the Stanford Cardinal, watching him do the same thing with the University of San Diego, watching him do the same thing with the San Francisco 49ers. I'm excited for you and I'm excited for Chargers fans because when we talk about and we throw the terms around team builder, I don't know if there's a better team builder than Jim Harbaugh. And so I'm excited to see what he has an opportunity to do in L.A. Yeah, I'm excited to get a front row seat to, to, to see it. I, I want to see kind of the secret sauce. Now, in our scouting days, you know, I'd gone through USD. I'd gone through Stanford. And, I, you know, we'll get to, you know, what he's done in previous spots. But you mentioned Nick Saban's name, and it, it brought something up to my mind. I had seen a video the other day. I guess it's been around forever. I don't know if you've seen it. You seen the video that Nick, uh, where he's talking about the illusion of choice? Oh yeah, yeah. He gave that lecture this year. It's, it's such a great. If you haven't seen it, look it up and watch it. And it talks about how look to be great. It takes what it takes. Like there's no shortcut. Like it takes the time. It takes the effort. That you. That's what it takes. It's not like oh this magic thing. If you focus on this, or if you just think this, or if, no, you have to do the work. It takes what mm -hmm. it takes. And I think. So many times in sports and you can get carried away with, you know, we're going to be sports science and we're going to do the innovative and like Jim Harbaugh. And I'm curious to see it. I know he's creative and I know he's been the, he's had coaches underneath him that have been cutting edge. But Buck, I'm I'm tempted, you know, I'm I'm tempted to say, like, we're going to find out what he's doing 
is the tried and true football stuff that's been around for forever, which is we're going to yeah. be physical in practice. We might practice a little bit longer than some folks. We might practice a little bit harder than some folks. We might hit a little bit more than some folks, but you don't get tough and calloused without being tough and doing callous things. So DJ, uh, you talk about that, having known people that worked at Michigan when you first got up there. Um, and you can find this. This is on, uh, you can Google it and find it. So when he got there on Mondays during the season, the team would run what they would call the Michigan mile, right? So there's no scientific proof that says anything about running a mile in terms of the recovery <laughs> efforts or whatever. Yeah. But every Monday, the team would come in and they would run a timed mile. And he talked about, yeah, I don't know if it really does anything, but like to be a tough team, you got to do tough stuff. So we feel like that is part of the tough stuff. And they practice like when he first got there, they wouldn't really have meetings, but they were practice for three and a half hours because the game is three and a half hours. And he mm -hmm. says that you have to ready yourself for like being able to lock in for that amount of period, that that time that 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 you have to play a game. Now, he changed in his latter days at Michigan, but mm -hmm. I can 100% guarantee the Chargers are going to get an old school dose of what training camp used to be within the new rules. It's mm -hmm. going to be long. It's going to be tedious because at the end of camp and at the end of the day, he wants to be able to tell his team, we're the toughest team in the league. Mm -hmm. We've done all the stuff. The team on the other side, they're not tough like you guys are tough. We've seen it. We saw him do it with Stanford when they ran the power 17 or 18 straight times at <laughs> SD. Yep. DJ, you know what's coming. And the excitement will be, and I don't know like how they rebuild the team quickly, the excitement for Charger fans should be in, yes, we have a superstar quarterback, but this team is going to play like an old school team that can play with force or finesse because the pieces are going to be in place to do it, and he's going to demand that from the team. Hundred um, percent. I, I, I think you you nailed it there with how what it's going to look like and how they're going to get it done. I I do think that one of the things that's out there that I would disagree with some of the narrative. Some of the narrative I've seen is you know now Justin Herbert is going to be a perennial you know MVP candidate, and and I'm sitting here thinking, do you think Jim Harbaugh he cares about MVPs? Like he's mm -hmm. going in there to win games, and in order to do that, I think he's going to run the ball more than they have. They're going to build up the line of scrimmage. He's going to take some of that pressure off of Justin Herbert, ask a little less of him, ask him to be efficient, and then he's going to use that run game to get big plays uh, off of it. But I, I, to me, I, I don't know that you're going to see Justin Herbert throwing for 5,000 yards. I don't know if that's what he wants. That's never been his MO. He had Andrew Luck when Andrew Luck was celebrated as the best prospect that we have seen since John Elway. And Andrew Luck wasn't throwing the ball all over the yard like that. He is going to use the running game to create big play opportunities for the quarterback. He is going to make the game easy for the quarterback. The common denominator that we've seen, every quarterback for Jim Harbaugh has pretty much played well. And mm -hmm. the reason why is because he has used the running game to set it up. When you think about what Alex Smith was before Jim Harbaugh got there, it was because Jim Harbaugh was able to utilize the running game to set Alex Smith up. And then Alex Smith learned how to play winning football and continue to play that way when he got to Kansas City. He took Colin Kaepernick, who we scouted Cap. Mm -hmm. Cap was a great athlete. Cap was an unorthodox playmaker. For Jim Harbaugh, Cap was a superstar. And so mm -hmm. when you just think about his resume, his track record, um, he is going to utilize the running game 
to make the game easy for the quarterback. It's going to be a quarterback-friendly system where they're going to be wide open guys, and then he is going to breathe life into the confidence. He Look, Justin Herbert has all the, the confidence or whatever, but it's a quiet confidence. I think you may see a little more edginess as Jim Harbaugh pokes the bear a little bit and, and tries to get him to bring out all of those superpowers that he possesses using his intangibles, his intelligence, and all that other stuff to go with the great physical traits that he possesses. I'll be honest with you. When, it, you know, when this came out and this news uh, came out and everybody's looking at Justin Herbert and the offense and Jim Harbaugh, culture, all that kind of stuff, one of the, play, one of the first places my mind went is I was thinking of Kyle Hamilton and that defense and the role that he played and I'm thinking mm-hmm. of Jesse Minter coming with Jim Harbaugh, which we don't know that for sure. I would assume that's the case. But running the same defense they run in Baltimore. And in that first meeting, sitting down with Derwin James and going, see how they're using Kyle Hamilton? Mm-hmm. That's you. That's you. I can see that because here's the funny thing, right? And then how quickly things shift. Like, there's been buzz where people are talking about Derwin James as if Derwin James can't play anymore. I because, know. like, people, like, he, he look, he, he started – being a, a bit player a little bit at the end of the year, whatever. I can 100 guarantee you the competitor in Jim Harbaugh is going to oh, He's going to love him. Yeah. He's, going to, he's going to drive Derwin James. He's going to be like, hey, man, no one thinks that you can, but hey, we're going to score. You know, because yep. we've, seen him, we've seen him do it. Like, he knows how to bring that out. And we're going to see Derwin James get back to playing at a level that we're like, oh, man, this is one of the best football players that we've seen. You're right about that defense. If he's able to bring Jesse Mentor and they're able to play a version of the defense that Baltimore plays, one that really specializes in keeping the ball in front, they rally and tackle, they do a really good job of mixing in who the pass rushers are, just really creative but really smart. And as they would tell you, smart but simple to understand, complex Mm -hmm. but simple for the players to grasp, conceptual learning. They'll do that and they'll play. And I'm just going to say this. When we look at the teams that are left, in the Final Four, physical teams, physicality, toughness is a big part of the DNA. Mm-hmm. The Chargers are going to have that physicality and toughness because the one thing that we see at every level, collegiate, pros, most physical team wins, man. If you're physical at the point of attack, you have a great chance of winning. And if you're physical and you got a quarterback, oh, you can win a lot of games. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, it's going to be fun uh, to see how this whole thing comes together. Uh, if nothing else, I mean, I think everybody, even if you weren't a Jim Harbaugh fan, uh, you have to admit there's an there's a buzz and excitement that comes with with him and all the stuff we talked about why we think it'll work and why this is a great a great move. There's also the fact of there's energy. He brings energy and he brings buzz. Whether you like him or you don't like him, you're talking about him. Um, and I can tell you that for a fact because on the day that you know this is coming out, Buck, around our pod that we're recording today, I have a full dance card going on every national mm-hmm. show to talk about it because they want to and it's not draft they want to talk about the chargers and, and jim harbaugh so it's it's accomplished that already yeah it's accomplished that already and here's what we know winners win he's a winner dj he's been a winner everywhere he's gone and when he steps in front of the room it's different when you have a, an established coach who's won a lot those guys are going to sit up straight because they know i've seen him win he has mm-hmm. a resume that features winning they're going to pay attention. They're going to buy in. They're going to do it. And we talked about it. He does a great job of fostering and creating that team dynamic. It's going to be about the team, you know, not about the individual. It's going to be about the we more than the me. 
So do we just already just put Blake Corum in the third round to the Chargers? Like we we locked out. I don't in? know. Like so so here's the thing. I don't know if he'll because even when he was with the or with Niners, the Niners, everybody thought he was going to get all the all the Stanford guys, and that he wasn't. He didn't do that. Case. Like no, yeah. that's not going to be his thing. Uh, but the one thing that we do know is, um, there's going to be a type mm-hmm. that goes in that building. They're going to be tough. They're going to be worker bees. You know. Um, he, he's dealt with personalities, but you know they're going to work hard and they're going to be tough and they're going to be very competitive. And mm-hmm. so um, that is coming. And it's really no different than what we've seen in Baltimore. Um, look, man, that style, that formula, that approach works. You get the right people, the right leadership, the consistency. And I think that's what he's talked about because he's talked about why it didn't finish the way that he wanted it in San Francisco. There will be alignment and synergy in the building from everybody from top to bottom. They'll all be pulling the boat in the right direction. Yeah, as of as we're recording this, it looks like the two people that are known as finalists for the GM job have relationships with him. So you got Brandon Brown, who he's buddies with, um, who's coming from the Giants, and then you have Joe Ortiz with the Ravens, mm-hmm. who he's known forever and has worked with his brother. So um, there'll be there'll be connectivity there, uh, whatever to say, whatever they decide on the GM front. Uh, I got a quick but, I got a quick yeah. quick question before we go to a break. Um, same division. Mm-hmm. AP pairing up with Tom Telesco. Tom Telesco being a friend of the yeah. program. Yes. Hasn't been talked about. Kind of came out of nowhere. Like, what are your initial thoughts on Tom and AP getting together to try and bring the Raiders back? I thought it was smart. Um, and I got a chance to, to visit with Tom, and he's excited. Um, I'm excited for him. The, you know, AP, you cannot dispute it. I saw it in there when they beat the brakes off the Chargers. I mean, it wasn't just the energy he brought to the team. He brought a lot of energy to the stadium and, and to the fan base there as well. Like, he's 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 got a lot of juice, uh, for lack of a better word. The players love him. They play hard for him. But I will say from personal experience, I've been in a situation before where you've potentially had first-time, you know, first-time GM, first-time head coach, and in my case, it was a first-time coordinator, first-time quarterback. You don't want all that. You don't want everybody to be new on the yeah, job yeah. in all those roles. Mm-hmm. So I think that Tom can be a great resource uh, for AP coming there as a GM who's got you know a track eleven-year track record as a GM who knows just even some of the basic process things um, to kind of help guide him through. And, and uh, I, I think it was a smart move. I think. I don't know where you are on that, but I know like you can look at examples. Detroit's a great example. Brad Holmes, first time GM, um, and obviously Dan Campbell, first time head coach. They did have the veteran quarterback with Goff that helped, but man, I think it's a. I would sleep better at night knowing at least one of us has done this before. You know. Well, here's what I think is is it's actually a great move, and it's one that I don't think many of us saw coming. But then when you saw his name included in the finals, you're like, you know, mm-hmm. maybe there is something to that. Um, I believe if we run the team like government, you want to have a checks and balances system, mm-hmm. meaning that you want to have someone that kind of balances out the personality or the approach of the other. So because AP has been front and center, because AP's personality is so kind of box office, I think the general manager needs to be someone who is okay kind of laying in the shadows, but has the ability to, hey, man, I think you need to think about this. I think with Tom, you get that. You get that, hey, man, I don't think he wants to be winning the press conference. Tom wants to kind of do the job, wants to make sure that the team is built the right way. Tom is really smart about how he puts it together, and that knowledge will really be invaluable to AP. When you think about AP and who he's tried to surround himself with, Marvin Lewis being around, 
Marvin Lewis can tell you the pitfalls of not having kind of like a full franchise support in terms of how he had to do it at Cincinnati to kind of be successful during that long tenure that he had. Yep. Also, Tom Coughlin there being go. around. I just think those guys, look, I, I can't say that anyone will say that. I think those guys might have been like, eh, you don't want to do this thing for the long haul. Yeah. You might want to have someone in personnel who has a little experience, who knows what they're doing. You don't want everyone learning the job on the fly while we're trying to get this done at a high level. Yeah, yeah. because I was told, look, you have uh, AP's mentor is Tom Coughlin. Uh, Tom Telesco's mentor is Bill Polian. Like those guys are kind of, you know, somewhat yeah. royalty in terms of the the jobs that they did in their roles, but also they're connected everywhere in terms of filling yeah. out not only a coaching staff, but also helping to fill out a personnel department. Like they know everybody. Um, yeah. So I think that's, it's kind of fascinating, kind of peek behind the curtain a little bit and see who can help um, as you're, as you're trying to build this thing out there in the Raiders. They got to find a quarterback though, Buck. They don't, I don't know if Aiden O'Connell's that guy. So they got to figure that out first and foremost. Yeah, they got to figure it out. And they got to figure it out. Is that a free agency conversation or is that a conversation where you can have the draft? And, mm -hmm. you know, the great thing about it, we've seen Tom do it a few different ways. And so obviously he drafted Justin Herbert, but he was around for Phillip Rivers, who was already kind of there and doing his thing. So he's seen it uh, a variety of ways. And so that's where the experience to me really helps because if we think about the team and how you best can support the head coach, you want to put the head coach in a situation where he's doing things that plays to his strength. For all mm -hmm. the things that AP has done in terms of like galvanizing the locker room and those things, I want him to continue to do that while he learns how to be an NFL head coach. So let's take the pressure off by not really saddling him with a lot of personnel responsibilities. Let Tom do that because Tom has done it. He can kind of help AP with the vision and how they go about the day-to-day -day processes of building the championship team. All right. I was just thinking of this off the top of my head because you were talking about drafting or or uh, going the veteran free agent route. If you're kind of in somewhat in no man's land, I mean, there could be some quarterbacks there. If you want to take a, a J.J. McCarthy or if you want to take a Bo Nix, they, they could be in the realm. They're Penix. You know, those would be the three guys you, they're going to have to do their homework on. But if you want to go the veteran route, at least like I can make a case. Hey, this is year one. We're going to get a little bit of a mulligan here. Like, mm -hmm. do we like, is this a place where you say, you know what? Like Sam Darnold, let's, hey, we know the guy's got a ton of ability. Like, let's take mm -hmm. a swing, see what this looks like for a year. Um, yeah. That was a name uh, that kind of popped right into my mind. But, well, well, I think there are a few different things. I think if you're them, I think you have the opportunity. And one of the things that the Raiders traditionally have always done is they've always kind of taken on cast offs and misfits. Mm -hmm. And, I think some people are going to look at the Baker Mayfield thing, right? And Baker Mayfield had bounced around. Like, remember the narrative around Baker Mayfield before he goes to Tampa? Baker Mayfield had been jettisoned from Cleveland, goes to Carolina, didn't work out, played a little bit in L.A., but he wasn't going to stay. Mm -hmm. And then he finds his spot in Tampa. And I think, look, he's on the verge of a big payday, and he appears to have a home set up for him in Tampa if they can kind of come to terms. You're looking for someone who, who you can take like that, that can give you the bounce that Baker gave them. Can give Sam you beat him out, Carolina, by the way. You know, give, give you the opportunity to do it. So, look, man, I think at that position, you got to throw darts at every level. Sam Darnold mm -hmm. certainly is one. Um, is there anybody else out there? But I do know, given Sam stuff, ain't a lot of it depends on who the OC is. Yeah, yeah. There certainly could be there. But he did have an opportunity to play in Shanahan's system. He did have an opportunity to play at the end of the year. You did see him have some success within that system. And everyone would tell you then when, when it came to arm talent, when you went out mm -hmm. to 49ers practice, 
Sam Donald was the most talented of all the guys they had there, particularly when Trey Lance was also in that mix. Yep. Uh, it'll be interesting. Um, all right. We're going to take a break. We come back. Uh, we will get into these conference championship games right after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. It's time for the MCS Game of the Week, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. This week, whew, a doozy. The Chiefs at the Ravens. The spread is minus three and a half favoring the Ravens. The over-under is 44 and a half. And DJ, there, there are times that the playoffs provide you with exactly what you want to see. You want to see the heavyweight fight, right? You want to see the up-and-coming challenger have to knock out the defending champ. And what we're seeing and what we're going to see on Sunday, the Baltimore Ravens have to vanquish the Kansas City Chiefs to have an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. And when you look at this matchup and you think about the Ravens defense versus the Kansas City Chiefs offense, you think about the soon-to-be MVP and Lamar Jackson going against an upstart defense in Kansas City, I can't think of a better matchup to watch to decide who should be representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. 
Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, and I think if you just said these two teams would be playing in the championship game before the season started, I don't think anybody would bat an eye. You say, okay, that makes sense. Uh, I could definitely see that happening. I don't know that you would have thought that the two defenses would be the conversation, even more so than Lamar and Mahomes. Like that, that to me might surprise people. But these are two defenses, not good defenses. These defenses are playing elite. And in the Ravens' case, they can have a case if they finish this thing out and win a Super Bowl that you were talking about them in amongst some of the best defenses of all time, including their own. Um, when you lead in all the statistical categories that they lead in, um, and if they were to find a way to vanquish the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, I think, yeah, they would be uh, they'd be on their way to earning that type of praise. Yeah. So if, if they do that, if they knock, if they knock it off and they're able to kind of put it together, it would be great. When we think about the quarterback matchup, right? So we always want to kind of replay what we had in yesteryear, right? So everyone has been looking for the Brady-Manning matchup, the mm -hmm. quarterback rivalry to determine it all. And so there had been that conversation about Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen. But DJ, this is the one that could be that, that conversation, you know, the, the, the rivalry that matches that. Pat Mahomes is a two-time MVP, two-time Super Bowl winner. Lamar Jackson probably will be a two-time MVP, but he doesn't have any pelts on the wall when it comes to championships. Mm -hmm. So that rivalry going back and forth, can Lamar Jackson outdo Pat Mahomes? Can he create the conversation where we talk about Lamar Jackson overtaking Pat Mahomes as the best quarterback in the game? Because to do that, he has MVPs that are on par, but he has to win a Super Bowl. So mm -hmm. this is an opportunity for us to get that conversation started if he shines on the biggest stage. And it's going to be tough for Lamar Jackson because the Kansas City Chiefs defense is good. They got to figure out a way to block Chris Jones. Mm -hmm. They also have to figure out a way to get open against what I think is a very good but underrated young secondary. Uh, and Spags is going to throw the kitchen sink at Lamar Jackson. If he's able to handle this, then we can begin to have that discussion about where he stacks as the top two, three quarterback in the league. I think both these teams defensively match up really well, um, as mm -hmm. well as you can against these quarterbacks. But, I mean, when you look at Kansas City, let's stay there. You talk about Chris Jones and the, the nightmare he is to block. I would say also the second level, uh, this is a really, really athletic, good linebacking core. And you can't, like we talked about it in the Houston game, there were times where Denzel Perriman got stuck in the hot seat of Lamar Jackson taking off, and that's not Denzel Perriman's game. Mm -hmm. They have guys that that can really, really run. Uh, that can help try and slow that down when Lamar surveys and goes. Like you, you they've got a fighting chance in space. They're an excellent tackling uh, back seven. So that that to me helps them on the matchup side of things. Um, the other side of it, ah, man, it sounds crazy to say it, but I'm like, I don't know where. How is Kansas City going to generate consistent offense against them? They're going to have to find a way to run the ball. They have to find mm -hmm. a way to run the ball. And they would, you know, ideally you want to be able to stretch them out a little bit because the Ravens defensively, Buck, they play top down. They play flat footed. They drive and they smack you And the field shrinks because they mm -hmm. know what those sim, sim pressures, they're going to get home. You're not going to have time to sit back there and, and, and hang and wait for things to get open down the field. So defensively, it's such a huge advantage. You know, I know it's not they're not playing uh, cover zero like Miami did back in the day. But mm -hmm. it's similar in that in that game. You remember, like the DBs, they just played it at eight yards, and they were they rolling did. downhill, flat-footed, coming coming fast. And we'll talk about it. The things that have been themes of the podcast the last half of the year: tackling, physicality, 
in those things. So when I when I look at Kansas City, because we're talking about Kansas City's offense against Baltimore's defense, we're trying to figure out how are they going to produce explosive plays? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's hard enough to drive 80 yards on dink and dunk plays. So who is going to be the player on the perimeter that can deliver the explosive plays? If I'm Mike McDonald, the first person that you want to X out is Travis Kelsey's not going, we're not going to let Travis Kelsey have an explosive play. I mean, with, with Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, and Kyle Hamilton, like who's better equipped to try and deal with him than the Ravens? So we're going to take him out. So then who's the next person? Well, if you look at the thing, Rasheed Rice has been the guy yeah. that has kind of stepped up. Okay, so how can we eliminate him? This is, if I'm Mike McDonald, oh, guys, we're going to make this be a, a, a Sky Moore, a MVS, MVS a, yep. a, a Watkins. Those guys are going to have to beat us. One of those guys is going to have to go for 100 yards to beat yeah. us. And that's how you tilt the defense. And so it's going to be difficult for them to score unless they're able to run the ball with Pacheco or Pat Mahomes does Pat Mahomes stuff where he scrambles around and you fall asleep at yeah. the wheel. Yeah. When you look at this matchup, it's more challenging and difficult for the Kansas City Chiefs to get to 24 than the Baltimore Ravens to get I to agree. 24. So, so that leads to my question. I've been asked, like, how, what do the Chiefs do to win this game? They, they got to get turnovers. Like, you, you're not going to – as great as Mahomes and Andy Reid are, like, you don't want to go 80 yards against this defense. Like, you've got to get some turnovers, and, and maybe it's a play in special teams as well. It feels weird. It almost feels odd. Like, we're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and their sixth straight championship game. Like, do they need to just go out there and just play their normal game? And I'm like, ah, I don't think so. I think they need more in this game and this matchup and this environment against that defense. I think they got to get turnovers, man. And if you watch them, as you have, Every tackle that Kansas City has made in the postseason, they are punching and grabbing and pulling at the ball, and they got to get a couple of them in this game. Okay, so so let's go counterpoint to that if you're the Baltimore Ravens. DJ, there are times when you go into a playoff game and you're like, hey, what do we need to do to win? Hey, we just need a whole serve. So if mm-hmm. we don't give them anything over four quarters, they can't beat us. So if you're the Baltimore Ravens, ease into the game. Lamar, you don't have to force it. All you guys, you don't have to be heroes. Let the game come to us. Our defense is going to keep the score down. So if we just continue, and I think last week was great preparation for them for this week because the game was tight at halftime and they didn't panic and then they blew it open in the second half. I think John Harbaugh can walk into the room and say, look, this game is going, it's going to be a tight game. It may be tight for two and a half quarters. It may be tight for three quarters going into the fourth quarter. We're the better team. We just need to stay the course. Don't get outside mm-hmm. of ourselves. Just stay that. If we do that, they'll win because I think they have more avenues to lead to victory than the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep, and I think they come out and try and establish the run too uh, in this game. It'll be interesting to see which team can uh, find a way to run against really, really good defenses. I think that'll be huge. It will be huge. And the other thing, because the hidden yardage, right? We always talk about Lamar Jackson's rushing yards whenever we look at it. But in the playoffs, the last few years, Pat Mahomes is 50, oh, yeah. 60, the, yep. the hidden yardage. And they're big third downs a lot of times. The scrambles. Who wins the scramble game? Because to me, Lamar Jackson's game has become more like Pat Mahomes' game as a runner, more scrambles than, A, I'm running quarterback powers and counters, more things where I'm coming bootlegs out the back door. I'm picking up the same yards, but I'm doing it in a different fashion. We need to keep an eye on Who's winning the scramble game between those quarterbacks? Because that hidden yardage results in first downs on third down key situations. It also can result in touchdowns, particularly when it comes to Lamar Jackson. It's just a great matchup. I can't wait to see it.
Yeah, it is a heavyweight matchup. I cannot wait to get this thing going. That was the MCS Game of the Week presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code MTS. New customers can bet just 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code MTS. The crown is yours. Um, all right, Buck. The, uh, the NFC side of things. What are you looking for here? Lions going on the road to take on the Niners. Uh, man, you know, it's, it's so funny because we've talked about them. We talked about these teams potentially matching up over the course of the season. And we used to talk about which teams in the NFC you kind of bully the bullies. The Lions are the team that we kind of identified that would be willing to go toe-to-toe. Not from a talent perspective, but just from a mentality. Their coaching staff, what they've preached, the environment and culture that they've created, they're not going to blink and back down from what the Niners do. The key will be, can they execute under pressure? This is a big game. This will be the biggest game that Lions have played in. Uh, the Niners have been on this stage. We talk about the number of championship games in a row. They still have guys who have Super Bowl experience. That stuff kind of matters in these high leverage games. And the Detroit Lions stay in character while dealing with, I won't even call it the shenanigans, with dealing with the antics that the 49ers bring when they play. They dump you on the Gatorade bucket. They mm-hmm. hit you. They, they play to and through the whistle. And they match the physicality and toughness while remaining poised enough to focus on the execution part of the game. Do you remember... Uh... Man, it had to have been the, it might have been after the opening week. I know it was like in the first month or first few weeks of the season. Uh, we were on here and I, I brought up the point that the Lions feel like the Niners, like JV team. Mm-hmm. And I said, look at the similarities of how they've done this. You've got accurate uh, quarterbacks that are good mm-hmm. decision makers. You get a top five pick pass rusher from the Big Ten. You've got Bosa, you've got Aiden Hutchinson. They each have a big-time offensive tackle, Trent Williams, Pene Sewell. The rack and the toughness at the receiver position. Amon Ross St. Brown, tough as nails. Obviously, we know about Debo, what him and IU do after the catch. Mm -hmm. An Iowa tight end, George Kittle, and then you also have Laporta. Like, They're they're built their team for this Mm -hmm. matchup. I mean, they have mirrored how the 49ers have built it, which is interesting to me because I think people thought, okay, um, when you have Brad Holmes come from L.A., from the Rams, he would try and imitate and emulate the team that he worked for. He also had an up-close view of the 49ers during his time there. And instead of building the Rams, I think he built the Niners. That's that's such an interesting observation and connecting the dots. And DJ, until we jumped into this conversation, uh, I hadn't really thought about Brad Holmes and that front row seat to the Niners and seeing them twice a year and seeing the dominance that they've had in the NFC and how that physicality and toughness is real and how they have built a team that is very similar in their approach, similar in terms of style and the way they're constructed. Uh, I've used these words before and I originally uh, used it uh, a few days ago on TV talking about the Lions. When we talk about the ability to play with force or finesse, Mm -hmm. That's the same way that the Niners do it. And what I mean by force is we're going to run the ball when you know we're going to run it. We're going to run it when it's time to to get the game done. Finesse is, oh, we still have all the sexy stuff. We still have all the creative plays. We still can jet sweep and do all the other stuff. We have that in our bag. But when push comes to shove, you're going to feel our force. You're going to feel us impose our will. That's next level ball. The Lions have that. But 
do they have it to the degree that the Niners have it? That's mm-hmm. what it would be. Um, Christian McCaffrey being a big part of it, right? Christian McCaffrey mm-hmm. and everything. But I'm going to say this. The matchup tilts on Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. Because the Niners with Debo Samuel are one way. Without mm-hmm. him, it goes a different way. So yep. it, it, Debo's availability, to me, plays a big part of who wins this game. Yeah, I think that's a great point. The only other thing I would say that I, I feel good about if I was the Niners, we talk about these teams being similar. They both love to work in the middle of the field, um, throwing-wise. You look at last week's game, Laporta and St. Brown combined for 17 catches. Now, the problem is that neighborhood you're playing in against the Niners looks a little different than the neighborhood you were playing against last week. You've got Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw now in the mm-hmm. middle of that field. And if we look and flip it over to the other side, why I like, I like you know, Jack Campbell's a good young player. Anzalone's a good player. That's not the same. So to me, I think that's where the advantage goes to the Niners. If you want to play this game in the middle of the field, I don't think the Lions win. I think the Lions, if they're going to win, they're going to have to get something out of their comfort zone, shot over the top shots outside. That's what you saw last week with the Packers. They were able to Ambry Thomas pass interference penalties. Like there's mm-hmm. plays to be made on the outside and over the top. But Jared Goff loves to work in the middle of the field. I think they're gonna have to get a little bit outside this game, outside their comfort zone as well. Okay, two things. Let me address the San Francisco 49ers first. And this is why they have to work outside of it. If you know Steve Wilkes, Steve Wilkes is what we call a quarters coverage mm-hmm. guy. So quarters, think about dividing the field into quarters, 25% each. The corner, the safeties, they take their respective parts. They play with their corners inside out. So they want to take away the middle of the field and they want to force all the throws to be towards the boundary because those are the lower percentage throws. Most teams, as we're talking about, they want to work the middle of the field. So if you can make the low percentage throws consistently, there are yards to be had. You talked about the deep shots that the Packers took. That is a part of it. I had an opportunity uh, yesterday. I talked to a coach who um, has played against the Niners for a long time. And he talked about, uh, he used to be with the Green Bay Packers, and he talked about the Packers played the Niners well because they knew exactly what to expect. So when you saw those guys miss interceptions, Savage, uh, I think maybe Nixon or somebody else missed. Yeah. He was like, Buck, when you play Kyle Shanahan's team, you have to sit on the in-breaking routes and you got to go. Like, yep. you got to pull the trigger. There can't be hesitancy. You got to go. And he talked about how Savage kind of blew the layup because that was a pick six waiting to happen. And mm-hmm. with the Lions, because they, the Niners work inside, Brian Branch, C.J. Garner-Johnson, Kirby Joseph, one of those guys has to make a play on something that is coming over the middle of the field to discourage yep. Brock Purdy from just letting it go. You just want to create a little pause, a little mm-hmm. hesitancy before he attacks the middle. They need to make a play early to kind of streak it. Because remember, when Baltimore beat them, what did Baltimore do? They jammed the middle of the field. They wanted Brock Purdy to throw it outside and he couldn't get it done. You got to take away the middle of the field. You have to make Brock Purdy work outside the numbers because that's not what this offense wants to do. No doubt. I'm um, looking forward to both of these games here. Real quick, before we get out of here, I, I do want to touch on, uh, uh, I don't want to shortchange the Titan fans out there. They got their head coach and Brian Callahan. Uh, just quick thoughts there on that decision. Uh, Mike Vrabel's out. Brian Callahan is in. Um, so, DJ, we talk about team building a, a few different ways. Um, one, when, and I have the utmost respect for Mike Vrabel as a coach. 
He's one of the mm-hmm. best coaches, one of the best tacticians, uh, strategists that you will find. But when the owner of the team talked about not having the alignment in the building, she wanted to make sure that like businesses, the best businesses, everyone sees it, same vision, same voice. You might have some disagreement, but in the end, everyone is pulling the, the boat in, in, in the same direction. Rand Carthon gets a promotion, moves up from GM to executive vice president, all this other stuff. Like he has kind of the juice to oversee the roster, brings in the coaching staff, brings in Callahan, who, man, I swear they were together somewhere. Did, did Callahan ever work with the Rams? Uh, I, I think he, he does have some time there. I think he does have I, some time there. So I think, I think they might've been together with the Rams, if, not, if I'm not mistaken. So I think there's a synergy in some way in terms of the alignment between that. And then with Brian Callahan being able to bring over his dad, Bill Callahan, one of the most respected offensive line coaches in football, you already know and understand how this team is going to be constructed. So Brian Callahan never worked with the Rams. Um, nope. But Zach Taylor. So the, con- the commonality would be that Rand certainly knows Zach Taylor, Active so he could yeah. connect it in, in that regard. So the big thing will be, can these guys be on the same page? Can they build a team? Uh, where they both kind of see it the same. And I think they can. They'll be physical enough, but if you know Brian Callahan, he believes the best teams are the best throwing teams. Not to mean they throw the most, but they're Mm -hmm. the most efficient and the most effective when it comes to passing. Can he get Will Levis to that point where he's a high-efficient, high-efficiency quarterback? To me, that's the number one thing that he has to do if this team is going to be one that seriously contends in the AFC South. I, I think that this is a, a direct relationship to what's in the division too. I think when you look at CJ Stroud and what he's done already year one and and what that looks like and what you're going to be dealing with, and then you know Trevor and the ability there, you know, maybe didn't take the step forward you thought, but you know the talent, the pedigree that he has. And then I think with Shane Steichen establishing himself, everybody's recognizing how good of a coach he is, an offensive coach he is especially – and Anthony Richardson and the excitement that comes along with him, they were like, we can get somebody to try and slow all these guys down, or we can go get somebody that can try and make Will Levis one of them, you know, to compete with them. And they decided, hey, you know, if we're going to be playing these teams each and every week, you know, it's it's an easier road to go to try and find somebody who can go uh, try and score with them as opposed to stop them. Yeah, and, and look, that there's going to be that because DJ is not only competing in the division, Right. We can talk about the division. You got oh, to get the out AFC of the division. Monster. The AFC is loaded with quarterbacks. And the thought of, hey, we're going to build a defense that can slow down Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert, and on and on and on and on and on. It's not going to happen. You have to yeah. get in the big boys. You have to fight them. And you're going to have to throw some punches. You're going to have to take some. And if you don't have knockout power, it's going to be hard to win in the AFC. No, it's 100%, man. Um, all right, well, I'm glad we got a chance to uh, to sneak that one in before the buzzer there. Uh, this has been a, a fun show looking at these conference championship games. We will be back uh, next week to recap those. We're heading out to all-star games as well. Um, so we will have uh, some updates for you there as we kind of transition as we get towards the Super Bowl. Man, we are, we are cranking on draft stuff, so we'll have a lot more draft content coming your way as well. Um, all right. Appreciate you guys. Uh, appreciate you hanging with us. I would encourage you, if you haven't already, leave us a, a review and a rating. We do appreciate those. I don't ask for that often, but that would uh, be much appreciated. Uh, and then we will see you next time right here on Move the Sticks.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 